and welcome to Afternoonified, the podcast equivalent of the skull emoji. I'm Emily. And I'm Ryan. We've got more dead bodies. Alright, so do you want to talk about graveyards? We are going to talk about graveyards. Um, uh, no, thank you for everyone who stuck with us through last week's episode. <laughs> we are aware that it was not our highest quality audio. Um, but we have hopefully worked out the kinks and are working on uh, improving it with each episode. So stick with us. That should be, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was rough. Yeah. So graveyards are essentially a burial ground that are associated with churches, uh, most likely attached to the church, same grounds. These were very commonplace in the United States before population began to grow, which meant that these graveyards were very often in town, right in the middle of everyday life. And cemeteries came a little bit later, and those are what we see today, things that are further away from town. Um, you see them pushed out. They're more well-landscaped. They're spread out, nice rows. It's, they're a little different. Um, you see graveyards on occasion. Um, people aren't really being buried in them anymore. Yeah. Except in cases um, like really, really small towns in like England and Denmark, I mm-hmm. think where that's kind of all they have. And plus everyone in those towns, generally the same religion because it's such a small area that one church works for everybody. But. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that used to be the case in the United States. So we actually used to mimic the same traditions that England had at the time. That's weird. It's almost like... Like we came from there. I know. God, it's strange. But as we grew, um, our you know, beliefs and the way that we bury bodies and stuff change. And so we'll talk about that a lot during the episode. One thing to keep in mind about graveyards and cemeteries is that graveyards were very, they were not well kept. So when you think of graveyards and you think of the ravens on the gates and like the crooked graves and dead trees. Were they well kept when they were in use though? Because I feel like that would be something that would be really important two people Mm -mm. uh it was actually like you could not find a person who was willing to maintain the graveyard it was just like that's just where we put bodies like that's just like the backyard just like throw them back there they were more well kept than you know than i think a lot of people portray but definitely not to the level that cemeteries are now there wasn't someone out there with a lawnmower no no pulling weeds planting trees water features that was not a thing that's cemeteries. Graveyards were like what you see when there's like thunder and lightning in the background and it's spooky. The one where they keep all the ghosts. Yeah, yeah. The Halloween version uh, is a graveyard, not a cemetery. So as the populations in these towns grew, sanitiz- san- sanitation, sanitation yeah. is the word I wanted, um, started to become an issue and people believed that graveyards were spreading disease. Ryan, do you know why? Because people in the olden days don't believe in science. And they don't bother thinking about that when they move dead bodies, it seems like. Basically, if someone was getting sick, like, blame it on the dead body. Yeah, exactly. They're like, oh, yeah, either God did it to you, or you spent too much time too close to the graveyard. That's why you have syphilis. Because that's airborne. That's very clearly an airborne disease. Right? Yeah, comes from graveyards. We're being very sarcastic, by the way. I know it's hard to tell sometimes. <laughs> yeah, if you don't know, syphilis is not an airborne illness. <laughs> We're hoping you already know that. So because uh, this is one of the main reasons the sanitation problems, or supposed sanitation problems, 
but also it had a lot to do with the gradual branching of religion. So not everyone wanted to be buried in a Catholic graveyard, and then after a while, then they had to have a Baptist graveyard and a, well, you yeah, know, every other religion. You can't, like, if you're Catholic, you can't be buried in a Baptist graveyard, or, like, Catholics are really, really clicky. I guess, uh, in the, like, you can't sit with us. Yeah, exactly. And so it became a problem because then every single church had to have a big old graveyard next to it and it was taking up the towns. So that's when we see, uh, it happened mostly within the 18th century. A lot of these cemeteries got pushed out to the outskirts of town. So now we're kind of talking a bit more about cemeteries. This is, uh, comes from a Greek word that I'm not going to try and pronounce because... Oh, wait, wait, I might be able to do this. She, she took Latin through for a couple of years. Emily is our Latin expert, so that means that she is by default our Greek expert, too. It looks like Quamaterion. Yeah, it's it's something like that. But I think that K must be pronounced like a C, because that's where the root of the word is, so I think it might be like Cemeterion or something like that. I Yeah, I'm not entirely sure how yeah. Greeks treat the Ks. So basically, this translates to put to rest or put to sleep, um, and a lot of... The root for that word also provided root for the word dormitory. So we see that a lot with places that you sleep. Places that you sleep, places that you go and you die. Same same thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. Clearly. As we said, uh, graveyards are always associated and usually attached to a church, while cemeteries uh, a lot of times aren't affiliated with any religion or group. Oh, you are so jumpy. I'm sorry. The lights in our recording space just turned out and scared the ever-living shit out of me. I feel like there's some chunks in there that we might want to just, like, cut. Cemeteries started to come into popularity, um, again, not attached to a church. They were also built far, not far out of town, but, like, further. Like, a lot of the cemeteries here in Oregon, I've noticed, are, like, way out in the woods. Mm-hmm. But even the ones that are in town, like here in Portland, there's a couple that are just right in the middle of town. That used to be the outskirts of town. That used to be far out from town. Yeah. So it's you can't necessarily look even old cemeteries at where they are currently because you have to consider how the city was back when it was first established. But they're usually further out where people don't. You're not going to pass it on accident. Yeah, and that was to keep diseases under control in theory. Uh, It also had a lot to do with people's spiritualism, and we will talk about it, but I don't want to give spoilers to the end of the episode just yet, so we will touch back on that. So cemeteries tend to be more well-kept. Like we said, graveyards were not so well-maintained, whereas now you see that cemeteries have beautiful grass, big trees, lots of plants, water features. All of the graves are in nice, neat, orderly rows uh, this is really specific to cemeteries. Classic graveyards weren't like this at all. Did people like start paying more attention? To- um, the trend was that cemeteries, graveyards used to be a place where you put your dead and left them, whereas now cemeteries became a place where you went and you visited the dead and you would leave flowers for them. You would ha- It's like a place of meditation uh, and a place of reflection and serenity. And so that's why, which is kind of interesting because they moved cemeteries out of town to keep them away from the living, but then they made it a place that the living would want to visit. So... It's kind of, they kind of contradicted themselves with the invention of cemeteries. Yeah. But, you know, like we said, people in the 18th century didn't seem to consider science much. As the switch was being made from graveyards to cemeteries, um, graveyards started to, like, close up. No one was buried there anymore. Um, they actually dug up a lot of the graves and moved the bodies to crypts and catacombs. And that wasn't just specific to the United States. No, that's happened worldwide. I mean, with all the population growth we've seen all over the world. 
uh, this has been a really popular thing. That actually happened a lot in the United States, and they would sometimes not move the bodies, but they'd take the gravestones out. There was actually a church in Pittsburgh where they used the headstones as the foundation for a new church and then turned the graveyard into a parking lot, and then they forgot about it until the church um, went under and they bought it to turn into a highway, I think, and... They dug it up and found over 700 graves. Oh, my God. <laughs> All the people that went to that church and found out after were probably just freaked out out of their mind. Oh, yeah. How I would have been. Oh, that's crazy. I didn't know about that. Like we said, a lot of bodies, popular places to move them were to crypts. That was generally more for the rich because crypts are like... A crypt is essentially a private, usually underground beneath a church or another important structure, although... Emily was talking to me about this earlier today. It's also another word for the spaces within a mausoleum, which we will touch we on. We actually talked about crypts a little bit um, in our Incorruptibles episode. So a lot of places, a lot of the more well-off, well, I don't want to say that the dead are well-off, but the, the living relatives of the dead would move their dead relatives to crypts, whereas people that have been more or less forgotten were taken to catacombs. Here is where we have another big difference uh, that we need to point out is the difference between a crypt and a catacomb, because they are not the same thing. Please enlighten me. (laughs) Right. So crypts are basically underground rooms uh, beneath churches, other important structures. A crypt is what you would consider like what the um, like the ancient Egyptian. uh, They don't call them kings. What they call pharaohs. Pharaohs were buried. So like the entire pyramid was constructed basically just to bury a pharaoh inside of. Um, so that's kind of what you would call a crypt, uh, is when it's more personalized. Uh, whereas a catacomb, you would take lots and lots and lots of bodies and stack them up in rooms and tunnels. And a lot of times you would separate the body parts. You'd have like a room full of just the heads and a room full of I don't know, arms or feet or whatever else. Aren't catacombs like they don't put them in coffins before they place them in their resting spot? And with crypts, they are in yeah. some sort of containment? Yeah, they'll either be in a coffin, a sarcophagus, or a casket. And those are three different things, which I actually read and I didn't end up including on our notes because I didn't think it was important, but now that we're talking about it, I think it's really interesting. The only difference between a sarcophagus, a casket, and a coffin is the shape. Yes. So a sarcophagus is like body-shaped kind of hourglass, uh, while a casket is straight, and a coffin will be wider at the shoulders, narrower at the feet and head. So they go progressively less human-shaped. Sarcophagus, Egyptian pharaohs were buried in, mm-hmm. are like shaped like a person. And then yeah. a coffin has the... I'm moving my hands. These people can't see me, but like the outline of a human. Yeah, more or less. I actually saw something on this and they made that change specifically in America. Coffins are still in use in Europe. Hmm. Americans didn't really like that extra reminder that there was a human being in there. So they took away the curves and then it was just kind of like a box. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Also, I think open caskets are a little less common here than they are in a lot of European countries. It's really big with Catholics mm-hmm. because death is a huge thing mm-hmm. for Catholics. Actually, while we're talking about weird things Catholics do and also things that are underground. Please enlighten me. Oh my God. It's maybe one of my favorite things that I was going to talk about in the Incorruptibles episode, but it never came up. I can't pronounce this word. I'm going to give Ryan okay. a I'll take Okay, I'll take a stab. Give me a second here. Um, putridariums, I guess. The word putrid the letter A, and then reum. Putridariums. Putri- oh, that's hard to say. For all of you guys listening, please take a second and try and say putridarium because it is a mouthful. 
They were popular in 17th century Italy. Specifically, Italy was brought up as an example in what I was reading, but I think they were kind of in use around like Catholic parts of Europe. They were underground corpse toilets. Oh my... Did they believe that the dead still had to... No, no. They were shaped like toilets. They were built into the the church in stone, and it was basically a chair-like situation with a hole in the center, and then they have some sort of screen over the hole, and they would take their dead and sit them in the seat and let them decompose, and all of their various goos and uh, liquids would go through the hole and the screen would filter it so only their bones were left. And over the course of this process, family members could go down there, redress them as needed. They would sometimes hold mass down there. It must have smelled awful. Like I Oh, I can't even... And this was all to be symbolic of a soul's journey through purgatory. Huh. Because you have to go to purgatory to get rid of any sins that you had left over. And I guess these Catholics were equating flesh and innards with sins because once the bones, the pure soul, were left, the bones were scrubbed until they were white and then they were put in um, the place where you put bones. Uh, Ossuaries? That. (laughs) I think I'm saying that right. I don't know if it's ossuary or ossuary, but I think it'd be ossuary because os means bone. Yeah. And I guess this was also kind of a way, like holding masks down there and stuff, as a way of getting people to confront death and kind of think about what happens to you afterwards, maybe yeah. make you sin a little less. Yeah. I do have one major problem with this whole, like, corpse toilet thing. One? You have one problem. Okay. I have many, but one specific one. I don't know about you guys, but when I sit on the toilet, my feet are still on the ground. So did this only work from, like, the, the hips up? Like, did the feet just rot into the floor? I've never actually seen a body on one of these. I've seen the remnants. Did they, like, tuck their legs up? Or are they, like, going full squat? Like... I honestly don't know. Sideways? I don't know. Now I really want to know. We might have to do some Googling later. We'll look into that a little bit more. Maybe put some pictures on the website. So would you find those in, or were they kind of like with among catacombs and stuff? Or were they more like a crypt style? They were in the basements. I, I don't know if they had basements in churches, but they were underground churches. So they would be in the same area as crypts. I don't know if it was, I'm assuming it was an optional process, but I honestly don't know. Like if you had to be, you know, toileted. Is there a verb for putting a dead body on a dead body toilet? Toiletized. Toiletized. (laughs) But anyway, that's my digression in terms of like weird that Catholics keep underneath their churches. Yeah. Corpse toilets. They are also, I'm pretty sure, responsible for some of the largest catacombs. I mean, the Paris catacombs, that was... Literally almost all of the catacombs are Catholic catacombs. Yeah, exactly. The Catholic do a lot of weird stuff beneath ground. So uh, the catacombs, the most famous ones, I think, in modern day are the uh, catacombs beneath Paris, France. Those are the ones that people seem to talk about a lot. The word catacomb actually comes from the catacombs of San Sebastian in Rome. That they called those the catacombas, and so or catacombas. I don't know if you pronounce the B if it's Italian. Nope, I have no idea. I have no idea. Or Latin. That wouldn't be a Latin word, though. Either way, um, that's where the word comes from. So those are the two the two big catacombs. They usually contained tunnels, multiple chambers. Technically, catacombs are ossuaries, also. 
If you would like to see what the Paris catacombs look like to a certain extent, um, the film As Above, So Below is actually filmed in the catacombs underneath Paris. If you want to, I mean, I think they actually have some of the real skeletons that were left down there in the film. It's also a very good movie. Uh, yeah, but be prepared to have your pants scared off of you because that movie is scary as sh**. It is. It really is. But Ben Feldman is really cute, so I think that makes up for it. Anyway. Yeah. Precisely. Um, Feldman, if you're listening to this, my email is on the website. <laughs> so, ossuaries, which we have already talked about a little bit. Catacombs would be considered an ossuary because you wouldn't move a full casket or coffin down there. Um, and usually by the time bodies are moved into catacombs, they are already just bone. They don't, you don't keep usually. full bodies in them? Um, you can keep full bodies, but they're usually post-rotted. Um, it's usually just bone. Sometimes it would be like you, like they're, it's not, they're not true ossuaries because there are rooms that are like ashes of bodies because a lot of stuff gets moved from graves into catacombs and so you have to take them in all forms. Okay. So they were moving them from graves into the catacombs. Exactly. Catacombs, not often did you put like fresh, fresh dead in it because that would cause a lot of problems with sanitation and stuff and having it right beneath your feet of in Paris, especially. Are there catacombs in the United States? Uh, I think there are some, but they are not, they're nothing compared to the catacombs. I know that there is a church in LA where they have a crypt situation. I do not know the specific church, (laughs) but it's fairly recent. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there are places in the United States where they have, um, I guess what you would consider a catacomb. But they're not—they're not like what, what when you think of catacombs, what you're imagining. Um, I don't think we have anything quite I to that. Think of dead bodies like in holes in the wall, like without any covering over them. That was more specifically a, um, a the Paris thing. They tended to display them artfully, so that's why they took all of the heads and stacked them. Like you've seen pictures of the catacombs yeah. where it's just skulls from yeah. floor to ceiling. They were arranged artfully because they were meant to be seen. So like the Paris catacombs, you can still to this day go down in yeah. them and visit. But it used to just be that they did it that way to save space. I mean, it's a lot easier to fit a lot of the same shape object in one room than to fit a lot of different shaped object without making it like, oh, that's this guy's arm right next to this other guy's head. You know, like after a while it becomes disrespectful. But if it's like a room of heads, like it's, there's sort of an intention there that... More stacking lumber, less Tetris. Yeah, exactly. So like I said, catacombs typically are ossuaries, but not true ossuaries. So an ossuary would basically just be a place that you keep bones. If the bones are the bones of once holy people, it would be called a reliquary, which we did talk about in our Incorruptibles episode. If you remember, St. Teresa Subaru is in a gold and glass reliquary, yeah. which is a fancy word for a coffin, but it is called a reliquary because the remains of saints are considered relics. Mm-hmm. It's If you're holy, then your body is a relic. And they do have reliquaries. They still make them. They're not putting new things in them, though. Yeah. A reliquary doesn't have to have the whole body in it. It can just have a part of a body. Like, they have arm-shaped reliquaries because saints who are not incorrupt get divided up a lot of the time and, like, bits and pieces of them get sent to different churches because everybody wants a piece of that. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So those are, like, full relics. And then there's a second-class relic, which is, like, a piece of cloth that has touched the body part of a saint. Mm. And then they... I have a necklace somewhere that has a piece of cloth that touched... I don't remember which saint, but it's touched their body. And now I have it in a necklace. I know. It's creepy. Don't look at me like that. I know. That's frightening. (laughs) 
let's get a little bit more back into the lore of this stuff. This is where we're going to start talking about stuff that's a little bit more out there. Uh, we're talking about what people's belief systems were surrounding these different burial styles. So the idea of crypts were designed to keep a body in and keep the living out. So it's specifically designed to separate the living from the dead. Um, I like to think of it as the idea that if a child is acting out and you lock them in their room, kind of like in... Um, Oh, what's the, the, where the wild things are. He gets sent to bed and he just hangs out in his bed basically until, you know, eventually they fall asleep. So that's yeah. the same concept is you just keep the soul, the spirit in this room for so long that they eventually get bored and just rest. So it prevents restless spirits. That was kind of the belief behind the crypt thing. Which is weird because when all of this started coming into effect, like ghosts were a huge deal. Mm-hmm. So I that's why they locked him in a box. And yeah, no, I guess that makes sense. So a lot of the time, people's belief systems surrounding these different styles of burials kind of mirrored practicality. So it makes a lot of sense to keep dead bodies away from the living because they smell bad, because they can pass disease if they're out and about, you know, if you're like out and about, like they're at the market. If you keep on the dining room table, you're probably going to get sick. They actually did that sometimes. Like, no, in like the Victorian era, it was proper to display a body in the home for a certain amount of time. But for a certain amount of time. But does it make sense to just let the body go in the corner, you know? Like, but what I'm saying is, is that a lot, the reason a lot of these practices are still in practice today is because that they are practical. Um, granted, there are these more outlandish, and I'm not saying that if you do believe this stuff that it's, that you are outlandish, but they're, they're unproven, you know, like the idea of keeping a body in a box that'll fall asleep, the soul in a box that'll fall asleep. But just um, these, they happen to end up being actual practical solutions, whether they knew it at the time or not, you know, they just had it for their belief. But yeah, so I just thought that was kind of an interesting thing to note, which is why you still actually see crypts today. One of the most famous set of crypts is at Westminster Abbey in England, where the bodies of Darwin, Newton, and many other notable figures are kept, which makes me really sad because according to the idea of a crypt, those spirits are not restless. They're not going to be ghosts, which means there's not going to be a ghost of Darwin. I feel like Darwin's ghost would be kind of a d- So would Newton's, though. Oh, He'd be dropping yeah. apples in everyone's head. <laughs> Another way to house bodies in a way that helped prevent restless spirits was to build mausoleums. This is my favorite one. <laughs> mausoleums are essentially crypt, but kept above ground in small buildings, often really fancy buildings. Mm-hmm. Very ornate. They can hold a single body or a group of bodies, usually with some kind of link connecting them, like a family. I did some research on mausoleums last night, and I've decided that I probably want to just buy one and convert the inside because they are way nicer than any house I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, there are some really insanely fancy ones, but I bet they cost more than any house you've ever seen, too. Well, yeah. Yeah. One of the most famous mausoleums is the Mausoleum of Halicarnassus, which I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. I hope so. Oh, that looks right. Yeah, Halicarnassus. Um, it was built between 353 and 350 BC to house Mausolus, who was the king of Caria? Korea. Korea, no. but not Korea, like C-A-R-I-A. So Caria, I think, and his wife. Um, and this is actually one of the seven ancient wonders of the world. The ancient world. Of the, the seven wonders of the ancient world. Ancient wonders of the world versus... There's, there's seven modern and, seven. and seven ancient, but it's one of the seven ancient ones, so... Very cool mausoleum. There's plenty of lore surrounding death. We've been doing it for a really long time. Uh, Like a raven crossing your path or a white moth attempting to get in your house. We're going to talk more about the lore surrounding what happens after death occurs and some interesting superstitions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're not going to talk quite so much about the idea that 
if you take a photograph of three people, the one in the middle is going to be the one that dies first. There's a ton of those superstitions, but we're going to try and just stick to the ones that surround actual death burial and then the actual death itself like post death not like predicting not predicting death that might be another episode because there are so many i found tons of them like a crazy amount unbelievable like basically if you do anything you're gonna die um if you see anything you're gonna die well i mean living kind of always results in death yeah most of the time The first one I'm going to talk about is that back in the day, it was believed that shutting the eyes of the deceased would close a window between the living and the spirit worlds. Uh, and this is actually still practiced today. Eyes are typically kept shut either with stitches or especially in the U.S., small metal plates that are put beneath the eyelid and have very small hooks in them. And they would pull the eyelid down over them and it basically just anchors the eyelid shut, which is fantastic super graphic there not that you guys need to know exactly how they keep the eyes of the dead shut but it's something that we still do even though technically it doesn't have a purpose maybe guess just to creep people out less when you have an open casket that's pretty much it now but it came out of the belief that closing the eyes closed the window between the living and the dead and that's also where that well no that's not where the the coins on the eye thing no that was to pass the river sticks yeah um so that's a little bit different but still it still goes along the same line giving them bus fare for the afterlife yeah but i think the reason that you put it over the eyes is to close that window too that's why it was the eyes and not in the hand or something plus the weight of the coins probably help keep the eyelids shut yeah so twofold like i said a lot of these beliefs mirror things that we still do today that are practical so they do have some basis in practicality Another popular tradition was to cover the body, especially the face of the dead, with a sheet. Um, And this stemmed more from a pagan belief, and it was thought to keep the spirit from escaping out of the mouth, because you don't want the spirit just running around willy-nilly. You want to put it somewhere safe, like in a box underground. That is the safest place you can put someone, unless you're a pirate. Indeed, yeah. I mean, you know, generally people always looking for your booty. Oh, God, are we really putting more puns in this episode? That wasn't even a pun. Some superstitions were super crazy. They believed that the only way to keep a spirit from returning was to burn his house down. (laughs) Others, however, had totally different beliefs and thought that they simply had to open the windows to let the spirits out. So, like we've talked about, there are many, many, many beliefs regarding um, spirits. A lot of superstitions. There was also the thing where you had to put sheets over all of the mirrors. Mm -hmm. Because if the spirit which is still resting in the dead body sees a mirror it's gonna invite it basically has to do with like inviting a family member along with them it's like if he passes a mirror and notices that he's a spirit he'll grab another family member to take down with him i thought it was that they would like live in the mirror uh i think that's yeah another one too i read though that has to do it had to do with um like bringing family members along they were really concerned about that yeah there there are several beliefs surrounding that and we'll talk more about those um in a minute before we get to that, though, I want to talk about what happens or what the beliefs were surrounding um, before you actually even take the body to the final resting place. So morgues and mortuaries. Yeah, mortuaries. I don't know why that sounded like a weird word to me. It is a weird word. It is, yeah. Mortuaries. So mortuaries and morgues, they did become more commonplace later, uh, you know, as people generally had more money, as population grew, you know, it became a thing. We needed somewhere to put dead in the meantime, people weren't just carrying them from the house straight to the to the graveyard or yeah. cemetery. Well, and embalming was starting to become more of a popular thing, mm-hmm. which happens at mortuaries. Like, that's not a DIY at-home thing. No. Please don't try this. To, don't try it at home. No. But if you do, please take pictures. 
I want to see it. Don't encourage them. <laughs> I, I said the warning. I said don't do it at home. <laughs> don't do it, but if you just, do. Yeah, don't do it, but. So one superstition surrounding that uh, is that the dead are generally kept behind at least two sets of closed doors. And this happened even before mortuaries and morgues were a really big thing. I mean, you would always try and keep the dead in the deepest part of the house. The more sets of doors between the outside and the dead body, the better. And you still see this today. Like a lot of uh, morgues are kept in like the very furthest corners of you know, hospitals or wherever else. Like usually underground. Yeah, yeah, underground a lot of time. It's to keep the living out and to keep the dead in. Although, you know, like I said, a lot of this is still practical today. You Never really a risk of the dead escaping. I haven't heard of a jailbreak from a morgue it's yet. The spirit, I think, is you don't want it running out. Because apparently people believed that after you die, your spirit just becomes really stupid and they get lost really easily. So a lot of these beliefs that we're going to talk about have to do with the making the spirits get lost so they can't find their way home, which is I thought was really funny. Again, the morgues, it's to keep the living out and the dead inside, which is a thing that we also saw with crypts. So that seemed to be a very big theme running amongst these burial beliefs. Yeah, and I mean, no one wants to be around a dead body, so keep them as far away from you as, as humanly possible. Absolutely. So we're getting on to my favorite part of graveyard lore. This was my absolute favorite part to research because there are some really hilarious beliefs around it. But it is something called a burial road, which we don't really use too much. But you do see remnants of some of these traditions when you look at funeral processions. I first read about burial roads as corpse roads, and I saw the word and I was like, I must know what it is. I must know what that is. That's, That's another name. So burial road, corpse road... Uh, church road, churchway, coffin routes. <laughs> There's many, many words. And they all had fun names, too. Coffin uh, route? Yeah, but they would call them, like, they call it, like, dead body way. Like, the names of the roads would always have these really just kind of over-the-top names. So you're going to want to make a left on Cadaver Lane. Yeah, it was, They a lot of them had really strange names like that. And there aren't very many of them left. Most of them have gotten paved over, mowed down. At the time, they weren't really, they were more just, like, paths to begin with anyway. People brought their bodies to the graveyards on foot. Yeah, exactly. Not very many people actually could afford like horse-drawn carriages. And based on some of the lore surrounding graveyard roads, you wouldn't really want to. You know, let's not invite horses and more. The less that's on that road, the better. Basically what a burial road is, is a special road built from town, often beginning at churches or morgues or mortuaries, um, that went straight to the cemetery. And they had the explicit purpose of transferring dead bodies to be buried. They actually mention them in Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream, and it's spoken by the character Puck. Do you want to read this quote? Would you like the dramatic reading? Yes, or the re- please. Sorry, you're not going to get it. I know. I'm not an actor. Now is the time of night, the graves all gaping wide. Everyone lets forth his sprite in churchway paths to glide. So this is something that's been around for a really long time. And there's a lot of superstitions surrounding the burial road. So we're just going to go ahead and go through a few of the superstitions. So burial roads often avoided fields because it's thought that carrying a body, a, a, botter, a body over a field would cause it to become infertile. The feet of corpses were always pointed away from the home. It's believed that it confused the spirit so he couldn't memorize the way back. And it also stopped him from looking back and inviting a family member to follow him. There was a very specific, like, a corpse must leave the home feet first so it doesn't look back into the house and point at, like, a family member and be like, you're coming with me. Exactly. 
That was a big thing. People were really afraid that their dead relatives were going to drag them down with them. Roads often crossed rivers or creeks on bridges. The idea was that the dead could not cross bodies of water, or the spirits could not cross bodies of water by themselves. So you actually see this still in cemeteries. A lot of the bigger, nicer cemeteries will have some some sort of like pond or little stream. That is still a belief that the dead can't cross running water. Mm-hmm. Um, I watch a weird amount of ghost shows, and that's usually something that gets brought up. I don't know what it is about water. I think it's the fact that it's always moving. So would that make... This is totally um, a digression, but would that make castles less haunted? Moats and stuff? Yeah, like I feel like they couldn't get in. No, um, that's where that whole letting your dead rest for viewing a lot. Um, So if they died in the castle and then they hung out there for a while for viewing, then I assume the idea is that the spirit floated away and just started wandering. In the house. Or, yeah, or they left their energy in, like, whatever f***ed up way that they died. Gotcha. So really, castles are going to be more haunted because the spirits can't get out as opposed to spirits not being able to Yeah, it traps the, the, the moats trap them. I don't know. I've never seen a moat. Yeah, I I just... You know. I've seen a lot of pictures of castles in England and stuff. I've never seen a moat. Yeah. Still, the idea of a moat, you know. Yeah, th- theoretically. Theoretically. If you set a coffin down for a break, grass would sprout overnight where the coffin was set, and if a person then stood on the grass, they would be instantly, insanely hungry. My theory... Someone was at a funeral. The next day they came back for some reason. There was grass there. They stood on it and they all of a sudden realized that they really wanted a sandwich. And then they were like, I got to tell someone about this. This is weird. It's sandwich grass. Like it's, <laughs> it's the hunger lawn. Like it doesn't make, I don't know. That one doesn't make sense. Well, to and it's in it. direct contradiction to them not carrying it near fields because they thought it would make them infertile. Yeah. But would, but I guess it's, it would make them so you can't grow crops, but the grass that the coffin did grow would make you hungry. So it, it has like a twofold problem. Like it will make you hungry, but make it so you can't grow anything. So it's kind of like hell, basically. Isn't that one of the themes of hell is that like you're always hungry, yeah. but can't eat? For, so what I'm getting from this is that the dead are stupid. They need their hand held. And they're really mean for no reason. Which I think is a belief in most, I guess belief systems that actually like if your nana is nice in life after she dies why would she want to drag her family down with them and make them hungry and just be obnoxious that's true but that is one of like the popular the theories though is that after death your spirit will become restless regardless and doesn't matter how nice you were you want to send them to the afterlife before they get mean yeah i mean these beliefs were a lot less prevalent in like really really heavily christian like traditionalist christians mm-hmm. but i think with, like, not lesser religions, that's not what I mean. Smaller religions. Smaller religions, these, yeah. Another interesting superstition surrounding these burial roads is that, um, so these roads were often very straight and did not cross any other roads. Even today, funeral processions are typically planned to avoid crossroads, although now it's more for traffic purposes. A straightaway is obviously going to give you fewer problems than going through a bunch of stoplights. Yeah. Uh, crossroads have always been thought to be places where the veil between the living and the dead is very thin. So it's a spot of magic potential where spirits, demons, or even the devil himself could be summoned. And a lot of graveyards now actually make their roads into Ys to prevent crossroads from existing. Yeah, that's actually a thing at Lone Fur, Lone Fur? Lone Cemetery? Yeah. Yeah, um, here. 
I've walked around it a lot and there are no crossroads. They're all Y-shaped mm-hmm. branch offs. And you do see that a lot. And a lot of the time the Ys will branch and then do like big loops and circles because circles were thought to confuse the dead as well. Again, the dead are apparently stupid and have no sense of direction. Real dumb. Yeah. But I guess they have a lot going on. Yeah, they're busy. Yeah. Being dead. (laughs) So Crossroad, getting a lot of spells that involve summoning demons or the devil or spirits or that kind of stuff, they call for two things, either dirt from Crossroads or dirt from a graveyard. So dirt from a crossroad in a graveyard is like the absolute worst because that means that it doesn't take a whole lot for the devil to just appear there. So I think that's kind of like why it was avoided to begin with. And we still see that now, which I think is interesting that that tradition carried over. Yeah, crossroad demons are still a th- not a thing. But as much as, as much as any demons are still a thing, they're the, the thingiest, I guess. They're most prevalent. I'm looking at you, Sam and Dean. Yep. See, you even see it in pop culture. Supernatural, they talk about crossroads demons. All the time. time. There was like a huge season. Let's not get into that. We could... But yes. Church roads were often associated with mystical creatures like sprites, fairies, spirits, ghosts, wraiths, and strange lights, sometimes called will-o'-the-wisps. We are actually maybe going to talk about will-o'-the-wisps and other ghost lights at some point in the future. Mm -hmm. Because... Well, I don't want to give any spoilers, but they're super explainable. Basically, they're just uh, thought to be little benevolent spirits that were trying to scare travelers into getting lost pretty much just for their own amusement. Which is kind of what I do. Yeah. Just like, ah. If I had to live in a graveyard, like, that's 800% what I would do is freak people out. Yeah. Once arrived at the cemetery, um, so now we're actually in the cemetery off of Burial Roads, the superstitions continue. It took us four pages to get here, but we're we're in the cemetery. We're actually in the cemetery now. You would carry the body around the cemetery three times before actually taking it to the final resting spot because it's thought to make any spirits that were following you lose their way. Um, Also, funeral processions never took the same route out as it did in. Um, We still see that today. Uh, when it's an option. A lot of places now only have one road in and out to keep make it easier for security. Yeah. So like I said, some of these things are still practical. Other ones have had to fall out of practice in order to, you know, be realistic. Yeah. Um, but when it's still available, a lot of the time funeral processions will take a different route out. Once people were actually buried, we're in the ground now, people. Mm-hmm. We're in the ground. <laughs> Superstitions continued. Uh, bodies to this day are often still buried with their feet pointed towards the east. Uh, this was originally a pagan tradition to follow the path of the sun and allowing the dead a view of the sunrise, which is nice. That's that's yeah. polite. That's really yeah. sweet. Mm-hmm. Later, it was adapted to Christian beliefs because we co-opt everything. Mm-hmm. When God comes back, it's thought that he will come from the east because the sun rises from the east. Mm-hmm. So burying the bodies in that way allows them to rise and face God when the time comes. Speaking of that, mm-hmm. cremation was actually a sin for Catholics for a really long time mm-hmm. because it destroyed the body, mm-hmm. and thus there wouldn't be a body left when the day came. But if it was like 400 years later, there wouldn't be a body anyway. I know. And we also have to consider that a lot of people are buried in suits, which means that the zombie apocalypse is going to be a very formal affair. Good to know. Good to know. I never thought about that. Yeah. Uh, a lot of nice dresses up in there. But since they have rotted, I guess, like... There's nothing to hold pants up and stuff, so it's going to be a lot of really formal zombies with their pants around their ankles. <laughs> now we know what to expect. 
Um, so headstones themselves have a whole culture and lore surrounding them that we're not going to get into today because I really want to do a separate episode about gravestones specifically because every single picture that you see on gravestones has a completely different meaning. So we're going to not touch so much on that. But it is important to say that the stones are currently important for marking graves and displaying status, but they also allegedly used to serve to weigh the soul down and prevent it from rising. So basically you put the soul in the ground and you put a rock on top of it so it can't get back up was basically why why they became big stones and not just like little crosses like you see in, you know, like old pioneer times. They just yeah. stick a little wooden stake in. They became big heavy stones to keep the bodies in the ground. Stay down, <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> That's why. Um, and it's also, that's where the idea of leaving rocks or pebbles on top of graves that you visit um, was to keep weighing them down, to weigh them down a little bit more. Which I don't know what a pebble would do, but it's it's symbolic, I guess, of like, I came to visit you, but don't follow me. Stay. Ghosts here. respond very well to symbolism. Apparently. Um, that's the belief anyway. So there are a lot of weird superstitions involving graveyards that don't have to do with burial specifically. Just to name a few, you have to hold your breath as you pass a graveyard or else you could breathe in a soul. If you speak ill of the dead while in a graveyard, bad spirits will follow you out. You have to be quiet and cross your fingers when driving by cemeteries because it somehow prevents spirits from following you. So not only are you holding your breath, you're also crossing your fingers while you're trying to drive. Yeah, and you're not even in the cemetery. It's just when you pass it. And that's when you wreck. So then you have to go to the cemetery. Well, I guess maybe crossing your fingers is like tells all the ghosts, like, I'll be there soon or something. I don't know. Maybe then they leave you alone because... They don't feel the need to follow you? I don't know. Some of the rituals that we practice now as a sign of respect to the deceased may also be rooted in a fear of spirits. So beating on the grave, the firing of guns, funeral bells, wailing chants, um, those are all things that were used by cultures to scare away other ghosts at the cemetery. If a woman is buried in black, she will return to haunt the family. Daniel Radcliffe can attest to that being true. <laughs> exactly. That's still something we see in a lot of a lot of horror movies to this day. Why do you think they're all wearing black? This is true. Um, white also a thing, but that is another myth that is actually on our... We have a really big list of episodes. Yeah, we'll be around a while, guys. <laughs> as long as you guys let us keep talking. We've got plenty to say. If a dead person's eyes are left open, he'll find someone to take with him again. What? Why Why do they got to drag people with them? Uh, it's bad luck to count the cars in a funeral procession, and it's also bad luck to meet a funeral procession head on. Thunder following a funeral means that the dead person's soul has reached heaven. Good. Yeah. Nothing new should be worn to a funeral, especially new shoes. Well, yeah, you don't want to be walking through grass and mud. It's not a practical thing, is it? No, I think it has to do... I don't know what it has to do with, actually. I, my guess is that it makes the spirits jealous because you've got some shiny shoes on and they want them. And they'll follow you home to take them or something. I don't know. It's just a thing. I did... This isn't on the list, but I'm going to add this in. Mm -hmm. um, you're not supposed to bury a person wearing someone else's clothes hmm. um, because I believe that means that they will take the person who owns the clothes with them. Interesting. Yeah, so you have to bury your bodies in clothes that belong to that person when they so, were alive. So don't buy anybody a new dress to bury them in. Bury them in something they already owned. Well, no, you can buy them a new dress, I guess. I, I don't know. Them owning it. I don't know what the parameters of that are, but you're not supposed to be like, hey, Steve, can we bury Grandpa in your tie? Huh. Interesting. Pointing at a funeral procession will cause you to die within the month. I'm still alive. <laughs> 
Do you point at funeral processions often? When I see one, I want to be like, hey, look at that. Well, don't do that anymore. One of these times, it's actually going to kill you. So now you guys are armed with knowledge and you're ready to visit your local cemetery. Just keep a few things in mind. Uh, And this is not just because of lore, but be quiet, be respectful, walk between the graves, not over them, and most importantly, walk a circular path and don't follow the same route out as you followed it. Now, that's all we have for you today. If you want more... Um, we are on Twitter and Instagram at Afternoonified. We are also on Facebook at facebook.com slash getafternoonified. We also have our website where you can send us an email or check out some additional resources surrounding these episodes, and that is www.getafternoonified.com. You can also make donations there. Which we would love and appreciate. It'll only make our audio better. We are on iTunes. I'm assuming that's where you're listening to us right now. We are also on Stitcher and Google Play. Um, be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating. We love ratings. Or I think we would if we had any. <laughs> so someone give us a rating, leave us some reviews. Tell us what you guys want to hear because we're just going off of what we want and we know. We would love suggestions. Like if you have something that you want to hear us talk about, email us. Yeah. Trust us. Your suggestions will be very greatly heard and very greatly considered. Yes. So yeah. Good luck in your local graveyard or cemetery. All right. Bye. 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 Thank you.